This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Wednesday, September 4th, 2019. On this day in 1977, a violent, years-long conflict between two rival gangs in San Francisco's Chinatown culminated in one of the bloodiest shootouts the city had ever seen, the Golden Dragon Massacre. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Every day, we tell a timely story from true crime history, then analyze the historical impact of that day's events. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm exploring the deadly clash of the Golden Dragon Massacre. In the 1970s, San Francisco's Chinatown was fraught with terror as gang activity ran rampant on its streets. Every year, the conflict escalated, and no one involved knew how to stop it. They were, after all, just teenagers, until they were murder victims. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. But before we talk about that fated night, Let's go back to the evening before, on September 3rd, 1977. It was a Saturday, and the fog that shrouded San Francisco in its typical summer haze had been burned off by a steady stream of sunshine, just in time for Labor Day weekend. It was a good omen, that sunshine, or at least that's what 18-year-old Tom Yu thought. Tom was the leader of a local gang called the Chung Yi. The Chung Yi, or the Joe Boys, were all first and second generation immigrants and all teenagers. But that was no accident. The younger the thug, the less time they'd spend in juvie. It was all part of the hustle. On the night of the third, Tom gathered all the Joe boys to Pacifica, a coastal city on the outskirts of San Francisco. They relaxed at a house, soaking up the sunshine with a beer in one hand and passing a joint in the other. But this was no holiday hangout. The Joe boys were preparing for the final step in a long-anticipated plan. Tom leaned further over the house's porch railing and took a drag from his cigarette. As he watched the waves crash onto the rocks below, he thought of Felix and the last time he saw him. 
That night, last 4th of July, had burned itself into his memory. He could still hear the pop of gunshots in between the bursting fireworks, and he could still see Felix, stumbling almost as if in slow motion as the Hua Ching's bullets pierced his back. He would never forget the look on his best friend's face as his body hit the ground. After Felix was buried, Tom and the other Joe boys went to visit his grave. But what they found was unforgivable. Felix's freshly dug grave had been vandalized, his tombstone drenched in urine. Without uttering a word, they all knew who was to blame. The Hua Ching Gang had been battling the Joe Boys for turf in San Francisco's Chinatown for the past five years. But with Felix's murder, and now this, this was war. Tom was desperate to take his revenge against the Hua Ching, and for the next two months, Tom and the Joe Boys plotted their next move. Tonight... Now, after midnight on September 4th, 1977, was finally the time. Tom had tasked a kid in the city with tracking down the Hua Ching. They would get a call at the house in Pacifica as soon as their rivals were spotted. The Joe boys waited by the phone for hours until finally, around 2 a.m. on September 4th, 1977, it rang. The Hua Ching had just been seen at the Golden Dragon restaurant in Chinatown, grabbing a last drink after a night of clubbing. Now, the Joe boys made their move. Each member grabbed a different weapon, a sawed-off shotgun as well as a conventional one, a 45 automatic, and a 38 caliber pistol. Then they hopped in a sedan stolen for the occasion and hightailed it to the city. The Golden Dragon sat on the corner of Washington and Grant in the heart of Chinatown. Its entrance, coated by jade-colored tile, gave way to an even more opulent interior, housing formal dining rooms decorated with gold-painted statues. It was a hot spot for a late-night bowl of sweet and sour shrimp, not to mention a favorite hangout of Chinatown's gangs. And when the Joe boys rolled up, just after 2.30 a.m., there were around 75 people dining there, including a handful of the Hua Ching. They sat at a booth laughing loudly and clinking their beers together in cheers, oblivious of the maelstrom heading their way. The Joe boys screeched to a halt in front of the Golden Dragon and rushed to pull masks over their heads. They needed to get in quick and get out even quicker. They left the car running. The Joe boys charged the Golden Dragon's entrance, leaving the front doors swinging behind them. Their guns were aimed and at the ready, but one of the Hua Chings saw the horde headed toward the dining room. He dove under the table, screaming, Man with a gun! And the other watching followed suit. 
But the people dining around them didn't speak his dialect. They sat pinned between chair and table as they turned to see the masked shooters, guns already blazing. The Joe Boys opened fire. Coming up, we'll discuss the fallout of the Golden Dragon Massacre and how the resulting death and destruction sparked a change in Chinatown. Now, back to the story. At 2.40 a.m. on Sunday, September 4, 1977, Chinatown's Joe Boys gang opened fire on rival gang members and innocent people alike in the Golden Dragon restaurant. The shootout lasted less than a minute. When the smoke cleared, patrons lay bleeding next to shattered porcelain. Blood and hot soup pooled on the dining room floor. The destruction was shocking. The Joe boys fled the scene, hopping into their idling car and peeling off down the narrow streets before the police could arrive. But even after the wounded and dead were ushered into ambulances, after the shards of broken dishes were cleared, the memory of the Golden Dragon Massacre remained a stain on the soul of San Francisco's Chinatown for years to come. The infamous Golden Dragon Massacre amounted a total of 16 victims, including five deaths, all innocents. None of the Hua Ching, the Joe Boy's intended targets, were hit. It was the deadliest mass shooting San Francisco had ever seen and effectively unmasked the charming tourist district with its gift shops and food vendors exposing Chinatown for what it truly was, an impoverished ghetto. In 1960s and 70s San Francisco, Chinatown was home to thousands of struggling Chinese immigrants, new and old, scraping by in a city that was less than welcoming. A history of housing discrimination in other districts had forced many migrants to crowd Chinatown, fighting for precious space in an already cramped community. For years, Chinatown suffered from widespread unemployment and a mental illness epidemic that had spurred a number of suicides. Its youth were left hopeless and seemingly without a future to look forward to. And as a result, many joined teenage gangs, where they felt a sense of belonging in an often hostile city. In the 1960s, gang activity hijacked Chinatown's economy through a combination of intimidation and extortion. And in the race for turf, a violent rivalry ripened between those gangs consisting of American-born Chinese and recent immigrants. This spurred dozens of deaths over the years between opposing factions, and revenge killings became almost routine. But the Golden Dragon Massacre was the last straw. After the Joe boys fled the scene, the police, who often kept their distance from the neighborhood, descended on Chinatown. Years of gang violence had continued unchecked on their watch, but with 16 innocent people now wounded or dead, the SFPD was burdened with mounting public pressure to find the men responsible. 
the cops spread out across the city, tracking down anyone they suspected to be tied to the Joe Boys. The mayor at the time offered a reward of $25,000 to anyone who may have insider information. And then, after two weeks with no leads, it was increased to an unprecedented 100000 worth almost a half a million dollars today. It was one of the most expensive criminal searches the city had embarked on. But soon, it did the trick. A source came forward with a crucial tip, ultimately leading detectives to interrogate one of the Joe boys at the scene. Finally, they had evidence to make their arrests. By the following spring, investigators had arrested and convicted the Joe Boy's three shooters, the getaway driver, accomplices, and the mind behind the massacre, Tom Yu. Tom wasn't at the Golden Dragon that night, opting out to stay behind at the house in Pacifica, but he was arrested anyway. Once detectives had evidence that he had devised the shooting, Tom was convicted for 11 counts of assault and five counts of murder, one for every innocent life lost or maimed. Ultimately, he was sentenced to life in prison. Despite his efforts to recruit members young enough to avoid jail time, all of the teenage gangsters arrested were tried as adults. It was the end of the Joe Boys gang, and soon it would be the end for all teenage gangs in Chinatown. In the wake of the massacre, the SFPD recruited Chinese-speaking officers to better navigate the community and organized a specialized task force to monitor and control gang activity. To this day, the task force is still in operation, and with the help of city officials and community leaders, changes were made across the city, including increases in public funding to social services for Chinese immigrants. Chinatown was safe again. Today, San Francisco's Chinatown is a bustling tourist destination. Its narrow streets are lined with souvenir vendors and street musicians, boba tea shops, and lavishly decorated dim sum houses. But on the corner of Washington and Grant, the jade tile of the Golden Dragon, now called the Imperial Palace, remains. The only trace of the horrors that took place within its walls 42 years ago, a bullet hole in the kitchen's stove vent. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. 
At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Liebeskind, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime is written by Alex Garland. I'm Vanessa Richardson.